So today is the third Sunday of Advent, also known as Gaudete Sunday. And uh, I love this color. People make fun of this color, but I love this color. I wish you'd more. We only wear it twice a year. And I like it so much. Check this out. I even got a cincture that matches it. It's the only set that I actually have a cincture that matches. Anyway, the reason for pink is because we hear in the gospel, right? Jesus is saying that John came to bear witness to the light. And the light, he even says, John says, he's, a, he's amongst you and you don't even recognize him yet. And so we're almost to the coming of the light, which is God made flesh at Christmas. And so because we're almost there, if you've ever seen a sunrise, you see right before the sun rises what color is the sky. Pink, right? And so therefore we're saying we're almost there to Christmas. And even Paul says it in our second reading. He says, rejoice. That's what Gaudete means. Rejoice. Rejoice always. And when I, it, this, is, this is from his letter to the Thessalonians, which is actually the, probably the earliest text we have. I believe it was written around 50 AD. So it was written about 20 years after Jesus died and about 20 years before the first gospel was written. And it was written to this little uh, town called Thessalonica. And Paul has the end of his letter today. And what we hear are these, these words. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in all circumstances give thanks. For this is the will of God for you. And when I read that, I was just like, I can't even do number one. I can't. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks in every possible circumstance. That that's God's will for me. I mean, there's certainly parts of my days where I rejoice. But there's a lot of downs too. And it's important, I think, to know that Paul's not speaking about joy in the psychological sense or the emotional sense, like always being upbeat. And I think even Paul knows that it's impossible to always be psychologically upbeat. And you know those people that try to do it, and they're always smiling. I hate that. It's not real. Like, I know you're trying, but it's okay to, you know, I mean, life is tough. But all three of these, I think, they're all based on one principle. They're all based on one principle. And I think it's the principle that governs, or at least should govern, every Christian's life. And I also think it's the principle on which Christianity either rises or falls. And it's extremely simple. It's this. Do you believe that God always loves you, is always leading you to salvation, And always has your best good in mind. Do you believe that? Because if you do, you can rejoice always. And I I don't think the bulk of Christians believe this. And the reason I say that is because if they did, they wouldn't be freaking out so much about our country right now. They would literally sit back and be like, yeah, it's a mess, but God's got this. I don't know how, but he's got it. I remember on retreat one time, I, looked, I was all mad about everything. I think this was in 2016. <laughs> Things haven't gotten much better. I'm all mad in that retreat, and I'm like, come on, Lord. Do something. And he's like, look at the cross. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I got this. I'm like, it doesn't look like you got this. And he's like, it looked like I had it there. I'm like, no. But you did. 
And again, this isn't for the record. This isn't like you're just like, woohoo, I lost my job. You know, but it's like, I'm okay that I lost my job because I know God loves me. I know that God's providing for me. And I know that God will take care of me. There's a movie I've spoken about before. It's called Into the Great Silence. <clears throat> it's a movie about the Carthusian monks. And again, they're the hardest of the hardcore. You know, they eat dirt and sleep on the floor and fast all the time and don't talk. And I mean, if you're not called to be a Carthusian, you'd go insane. But in that movie at the end, <clears throat> they have this guy on. And he's the, presumably the oldest and wisest of all the monks. And he's blind. And he has these just epic eyebrows. Like... They're out to hear. It's all, he might, I mean, he's blind, so he doesn't know how big his eyebrows are. But he looks like super wise. And he says these words. They're so awesome. He says, why be afraid of death or anything for that matter? Fear and death are the fate of all humans. But the closer one brings oneself to God, the more joy one has. God sees everything in our lives. And because he is infinitely good, he is always seeking our good. Therefore, there's no cause to worry about any of the things that happen to us. We are loved. And that is cause for rejoicing. That's what Paul's talking about. When you realize that God wants only what's best for you, even in the worst, that he cares for you, that that he's guiding your life to salvation, then yes, you will rejoice. No matter what happens. But you have to choose it. You have to choose to believe this. And that takes an act of the will and an act of faith. I don't know if you've ever read the book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. <clears throat> it's by Viktor Frankl. Phenomenal book. You've got to read it. If you haven't read it, read it. He was a psychologist, neurologist, uh, and a Holocaust survivor. And he basically writes his memoirs of the Holocaust. And he said that no matter what the Nazis did, they would degrade us and turn us into animals, making us think that we were less than animals. But he came to this, and at the end of the book, he says this, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of all human freedoms, and that is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. That's what it means to rejoice always. I choose in good or bad sickness or health, I choose to say God is with me and in this loving me and caring and providing for me. Then Paul says, pray without ceasing. This one, this one's I think a little bit easier. You know, he's not talking about going around saying our fathers in hell, Mary's all day. First of all, that could, it'd be almost impossible to work. Uh, second of all, it'd be weird. Right? You try to talk to somebody and all they do is just say the Hail Mary in your face. What he's talking about, I think, is simply being in the presence of God at every moment. So, no matter what you're doing, if you're at work and, you know, like over at the school and the kids are going crazy. I don't know if you guys know this, but I taught over in the school. I was a guide for children's house. And it was exhausting. Like, I got a brand new love for parents and everything you do. So God bless you. But I remember even in every one of those moments, I'm like, Lord, what are we, what are we doing here? Help me. Save me. What do you want to show me? That's praying without ceasing. Constantly being in the presence of God. And you'll see this in all the lives of the saints. 
It doesn't matter what they're doing. They're in constant dialogue, constant relationship with God Almighty. And the last one is the final recommendation. In all circumstances, give thanks. This one's tough. This one's really tough for me. Again, there's lots of times in life where I give thanks, but God knows there are many times that I am incredibly ungrateful. Or feel anything but thankful. But in the biblical perspective, you have to remember, God is providing at all times and everything. All times and everything, no matter what you're going to. And so yes, no matter what happens, we can give thanks for it. You know, when I pray with somebody who's sick, be that with a terminal disease, be that with cancer, be that with whatever, I always say to them, I say, I'm not going to pray for a healing. If God wants to heal you, he'll heal you. What I'm going to pray for is that you experience him in this. That you meet him in this. And that you feel his love for you in spite of this. That's the beauty of the faith. In that same movie, Into the Great Silence... That old guy, the old blind guy, at the end, he says this. I often thank God that he let me be blinded. Because I am sure this happened for the good of my soul. Can you imagine living like this? You go blind and what's your response? Thanks. Because that was for my good. I mean, this guy trusts God. But it's not just for these old, wise, Carthusian, crazy monks. It's for all of us. If you believe, if you believe this, if you're, you're truly free, and you possess the deepest form of joy that's open to human beings. It's said that uh, great teachers repeat themselves all the time, and I, I lay no claim to myself being a great teacher, but I ready, readily admit I repeat myself all the time. You can ask my staff. And I don't know if I've told you this story, but if I have, it bears worth repeating. Because it captures everything that Paul's talking about. When I was in seminary, I had the opportunity to go to uh, Ephesus, which is uh, in Turkey. And in Ephesus, there's a, up on this hillside outside the main old ruined city, is this little house. And it's called Mary's house. And its tradition holds where Mary lived with John after the crucifixion until uh, the Assumption. And in this little house, there's a spring that wells up from underneath the house. And when I visited there, there was a really old Franciscan, like, and he was legit. Like, he had been there for like 40 years. His habit, you know, it's brown, but it's all patched up. Like, he was living poverty, big beard, he stunk, you know, like, he was the real deal Franciscan. And we, I remember I said to him, I said, you've been here like 30, 40 years. And this, these waters are miraculous. I was like, have you seen any like, really awesome miracles? And he's like, boys, I have seen things you can't even fathom. And I'm like, what's the craziest, most amazing miracle you've ever seen? He said, come with me. And he took us out behind where Mary's house is, and there was this like, little quonset. And he op- had a little lock key, and he opened it. And we walked inside, and there's walkers, canes, braces, wheelchairs, crutches, and I'm like, whoa, I'm like, what is this? And they're like, everyone who's healed leaves whatever their thing was that, you know, held them back. They leave it here. 
And I was like, what's the greatest one? And he said, you see that wheelchair right there? I'm like, yeah. He said, that wheelchair belonged to a man who 30 years ago, he was hit by a drunk driver. He was paralyzed from the neck down. And his wife and three kids were killed in the accident. And we're all sitting there like, did he come here and like drink for the water and walk? And he's like, he came here on pilgrimage. He drank from the water. And he stood up and walked. And I'm like, what? I'm like, that's insane. That's the greatest miracle I've ever heard. And he's like, I didn't tell you the miracle. And I'm like, what's, I was like, what do you, he walked. He said, the miracle is that for 30 years being confined to a wheelchair, paralyzed from the neck down, having his wife and three children unjustly taken from him, from a man who is drunk and driving, that that man still believed God cared. That's the miracle. And you know what? He's right. He's right. Literally, the greatest gift is to believe no matter what one is faced with. Trusting that God is our Father, He loves us, cares for us, and above all, He wants what's best for us. And when we believe that, I mean, when that gets deep into our bones, we have found the secret to this life. And we will indeed rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in all circumstances, give thanks.